Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. About seven, seven and a half years ago, my wife was working for a company that would take us on some, some great vacations throughout the year. And I remember this one time, uh, they were taking us to Hawaii. Man, it was amazing. All right. But they told us like, hey, you're going to have some dinners. All right. So you need to, you need to fancy up for them a couple, you know, uh, every night. You're, you're going to have to fancy up. So you know me, I throw everything in a duffel bag ready to go. All right. I'm going to wear flip-flops to a fancy dinner because we're in Hawaii. You can do that. Right. Caroline, okay, girls pack a little different, and I didn't really know what she was bringing until we showed up to the airport, which I never show up to the airport early. I only give us about 10 minutes to get from the front doors to the airplane because I fly by faith, okay? And uh, we also have this little thing called a TSA pre-check, right, card that, that we can bypass all the security. So we get to the front doors, we get all of our luggage, and I look over, and Caroline, no lie, she has three or four of those nice brimmed hats, you know, like the girls wear the fancy things up, right? She has four of them. She has nowhere to put them. She can't pack them in the bag because they'll crease, right? So she puts them all, all on top of her head, all right? And then I notice she has three or four of her purses. You can't pack those because they might get creases, right? So she's got them lined up on her arm. We just, we had to go get some Starbies, right? We, should, we had to get some Starbucks and her full venti cup, even though she's going to have to throw it away at security, but we had to get it, right? She's got her Ugg boots on. She's got her big shades, and she is walking through the airport. I love my wife because she is going to be who she needs to be, all right? And I can just, I, now thinking back at it, I can just remember her walking, and like, I can just think about that song, like, all the pretty girls walk like it. Like I could just, I could just see it. Like it's, that's it. That's my wife. That's my boo thing. That's my rib. All right. Like I'm excited about it. All right. So we're passing the mile long security line and we get to the TSA pre-check and they're like, do you have your identity? I sure do. Here you go. Here's my boarding pass. Here's, here's my TSA pre-check card. All right, she goes, Mr. Russell, you enjoy your flight? I said, I sure will. Take five steps, and then I hear this, babe, babe. And I look back, and she is, she's got all four purses all undone. She's got, she's got her hats looking in her hat. She's got her wallet all looking out. She goes, I can't find it. I can't find it. And I was like, what is going on? And the lady at the red, uh, the, the judge, I, that's what she acted like, all right? She was like, if you do not have the right identification, you cannot come in this line. She's like, well, can you take my, my driver's license? Just look it up. She's like, if you do not have your TSA pre-check card, you cannot come in this line. And she's like, I just don't have it. And then Caroline looks up at me, and she's like, I can't make it, Brent. I'm going to have to go all the way back there. And then she gives me the puppy dog guys, like, are you going to go back there with me? I was like, hey, I'll see you in Hawaii. I hope you make it, right? Walk on the way. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. I was a, I was a, I was a, a trooper. I went and stood in line. We literally made it by, by two seconds. But I remember standing in the death tunnel, right, in between the airport and the airplane. It's like 412 degrees, right? I remember. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a perfect sermon illustration. Because how, how true is it 
that all of us someday, we are going to be standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus. And he's going to look into our life and look through our whole past. He's going to look at us and he says, here's the entrance to the pearly gates. And he's going to see, do you have the right identification to get in? He's going to see if we have the right identity to be able to receive his his free blessing in order for us to get into heaven. And my question to you students is do you have the right identity in order to get to heaven? And maybe not only do you have the right identity, but like, are, are you going to have the life that Jesus can look at and say, man, well done, my good and faithful child. Now, my question to you is right now, what is your identity? Right now, what is your identity? Now, according to the old Webster's Dictionary, it says this, that identity refers to our sense of who we are as individuals as well as how others may perceive us and label us. So my question to you is, is what would you label as your identity? I want you to write it down. I want you, I want you to maybe type it out. I want you to maybe just even think about it. Is my identity is this. Maybe another way of, of looking at it from a different angle is, is what is your why? Like, what is your why for living, for breathing, for waking up in the morning, for being at school, for your friendships, for your dating relationships? What is your why for everything in your life for this moment? What is your why? See, I had an old mentor back in the day, and he, uh, we were really talking through identity issues, and he goes, man, I have seen so many people fail because the world offers you so many things to identify with. He goes, what I've seen, this doesn't hit, affect everybody, but he goes, he goes, I've seen it affect most people, that most people will attach their identity to three things. Gold, girls slash guys, come on now, or glory. Gold, girls, or glory is what he has seen most people attach their identity to. Just think about it. How many of us is money our identity? Everything that we do, we wake up in the morning, we think about money. Everything that we do is because of money. Everything that we are is because of money. We find our worth in our money. We find our worth in what the things that we have and the things that we purchase. Maybe it's our clothes. Maybe it's our cars. But that is where we find our identity. What about girls slash guys? Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you dress the way that you dress? Is it because you are trying to attract the opposite sex? Why do you work out? Why do you eat the way that you do? Why do you talk the way you talk? Walk the way you walk? Style the hair the way you style it? Is it because you are trying to attract the opposite sex? Is that what your identity is? What about glory? I say glory can be anywhere, especially in your age range, it can be anywhere from grades to field goals, right? If I was a national merit scholar, I can't tell you how much I would drop that in daily conversation to everybody. Hey, listen. Like, yeah, hey, what's your name? Your name is Sarah. Awesome. 
My name is Brent. I'm a National Merit Scholar. I'm a genius. OU pays me to be here. Okay? I made a 37 on my ACT just because I had one extra point because of how awesome I am. Right? Like, I would drop that junk. Right? Like, I'm a National Merit Scholar. Okay? What about you D1 athletes? I know I would be riding high on that, right? I would be wearing the backpack of power that says OU, right? Number 13, all right? Like, like I know that, that being a, a, a D1 athlete, it could be softball, baseball, swimming, football, basketball. I don't know what it is, but your identity can be wrapped up in your achievements and getting the glory and getting the praise. It can happen. Listen, I don't know where your identity is, but I know where it should be. And I call it the fourth G. Your identity should be in God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Your identity should be in Him and Him alone. And let me tell you why this is important. Because everything else that I mentioned can be taken away. Money can be taken away. Girls and guys can be taken away. Your glory can be taken away. One, one injury can take that glory away. Everything can be taken away. But the only thing that cannot be taken away is the love of Jesus for you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No height, no death, no demon, no nothing can separate you from that. There are two things I want us to walk away with tonight about identity. Two things that I think that are important for us to understand. The first thing I think we need to learn is how do we get this right identity for our life? And I think the second thing that God just kind of gave to me is I want us to be able to evaluate the identity in our life and make sure that we are walking the straight and narrow, making sure that we are living with the right identity. So how do we gain our identity? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17, and we're going to see what Paul is stating to the church of Corinth for them. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, <clears throat> if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some versions say creature. The old one has passed away. Behold, the new one has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses. He's not counting their sin anymore. Against them. And he's entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God for our sake. Ready for this? He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Simply put, let me just kind of, kind of say what Paul is trying to say here, is that when we are born, we are born natures of wrath, and we are born into a sinful world with a sinful nature. And when God looks at us, he sees our sin, and it creates a distance between God the Father and us. And God said, you know what? I want to be able to bridge this gap in between my children and me. 
And what he did was that he sent his son to come and die for our sins, to come and be a reconciliation in between God and us, and we can be reconciled before God because we believe that God, that Jesus came down and he died a, 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 a horrible death. He lived a perfect life, died a horrible death so that we can be saved. And if we believe that he came and died for us and rose again on the third day, then we can have an everlasting life with him. We can be reconciled. We can be back in tune in the right standing of God because when God looks at us, he doesn't see us for our sin. He doesn't see us for our trespasses like he says anymore. No, no. He sees his son who took on our sin and shame and died for it and saved us from it. Do you want to know how to have the right identity in Christ? Do you want to know how to, how to walk through those pearly gates in heaven? Is that you have to have Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. Jesus has to be the center of your world. So how do you gain it? you got to trust Jesus to be that. But then it says something else. He says, once you gain this identity, he says, the old has passed away and the new has come. And when thinking about that, I was like, man, man, Paul is giving us some evaluations here. It's how do we evaluate our identity right now? And I feel like we as humans, we need some evaluations, Amen. To make sure that we are keeping things in line. I think this is what Paul is trying to say here. Is like to be sure that we have embodied the saving work of Jesus and we put his identity on us. The old must die and the new us must live. So what's he saying? He's saying that the old you should be dead. Now I know for some of us in here it's a little easier to say that. Because we might have been saved a couple years ago, and we had a former us, right? We had a former us that, that acted like the world. If the world offered it, we, we took it. If the world said we need to do it, we did it. And we looked like the world, talked to the world, acted like the world. And you know what? Then we found Jesus so two years ago. And Jesus came and saved our life, and we knew this is not who I should be anymore. This is not the person that I want to be. I want to be this new person. I can be this new person. So you have a person that you know that needs to die, and you know that you have a person that needs to live. But for some of us, there's not that clear-cut line anymore. We don't have such a, a, a white and black or gray area. No, no. Some of us, we got saved at six, seven, eight years old, and it was like Barney to now. Like, like we didn't have like a, a, an, a before life, right? We didn't have this, this great testimony. And side note, I'm going to talk about this later on. If you don't have this great testimony, it is a great testimony. But I think what Paul is trying to say here is maybe not a former way of life, but it's the identity of the way of life before Jesus. Paul is saying that before Christ, sin had power over you, but now, now, after Christ, now that you have been saved by Jesus, 
you have power over sin now. And be sure to keep this power and then be sure to use this power to conquer sin continually every day, putting to death sin in your life and shame and guilt and keep on the power of Jesus Christ and don't let have sin have any grasp on you anymore. Make sure it is dead in your life. Romans 6, 6 through 7 says this, We know our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved in sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Soon I believe that this evaluation tells us one of two things. When we evaluate things that should be dead in our life. I think we have to evaluate the sin in our life. And I think that when we evaluate the sin in our life, I think it exposes us of one or two things. You are either in identity conflict or you are in an identity crisis. When you are looking at the sin in your life, you are either in an identity conflict or you're in an identity crisis. For some of us, I really hope that this clears some things up. And I know that many of us in here, we have this ongoing thought of, am I truly saved? How many of us have said the, the sinner's prayer like 32,000 times, right? Has anybody been scared whether they're saved or not? Okay, just me. Okay, I guess I'm the, the least faithful. Come on, raise your hand if you've prayed the prayer more than once. All right, thank you. Ali, you guys are so holy. I love it. But some of you, you have this thought, and let me give you some comfort here. Is that, is that when sin happens in your life, and, and it might be fun for a moment, amen, but there is going to come a time, maybe the next day, maybe the next hour, where that, that shame starts coming in, right? Y'all know that? And you start feeling that guilt about, man, I, I messed up. And, and you start feeling that shame, and maybe it's so much shame, like, like you won't even like, look at yourself in the mirror the next day, like you're brushing your teeth looking around the mirror, like because of the guilt that you feel, because you're just like, I am so much better than this. Like, like, and then you start saying, like, God, like, I'm not worthy to be here. And God, I, and you just fall on your face. Like, God, I am, I am sorry for doing this. And it's just like, it's just this constant repetition. And you're just like what Paul says, like, you do the things that you know that you shouldn't do, right? Like, Lord, like, 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 please just forgive me. And like, you have this, this shame that covers you. And I'll, let me tell you, yes, that is a bad feeling to have. But it also tells me another thing is that you have the Holy Spirit living in you and he loves you enough to point out when you are putting distance between you and Jesus. You have an identity conflict in your life. And there's some things that you need to move around in your life. There are some things that you need to kill in your life. There's some things that you need to put to bed and, and lay to rest and just be done with them in your life. And you need to change that conflict to an ultimate authority of Jesus in your life. But on the flip side of that, I, I'm sure you can tell where I'm going with the identity crisis. And I want you to be honest with yourself because this is, this is the biggest truth that you can see in your own life. Is that if you can go on sinning 
And if you can be the person that you are being right now, and you're looking like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, walking like the world, and you know it is not biblical, and you know it's not being a person that Jesus wants you to be, and you can continue to do that, and you don't feel shame over it, and you don't feel that guilt, and you don't feel that conviction, I can promise you something, is that you're an identity crisis, because maybe, just maybe, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you convicting you of the sins that you are committing, and that is a very bad ordeal, and my beg for you now is not to hear me calling you out, but calling you up, because there is a greater way to life, and there's a greater advantage to your life right now if you just surrender your all to Jesus, knowing that he can save you from every sin, that he can forget it as far as the east is from the west, and he wants to have life and life eternal for you. My question to you is, where's your identity at? What are some of the things in your life that you need to put to death? But here's the truth about this evaluation. Whether whether you're on either side of that scenario, is do you really want to put to death the sin in your life? I had someone ask me two months ago, like, like, what's one sermon you think college students need to hear? I go, I don't know if it's just college students. I think it's I think it's everyone in the church right now. What do you think is the one truth that people need to hear? Is and I said, we have to eradicate sin in our life. It has to be a big deal. It has to be prevalent in our life because, because listen, this is, this is the climax of my sermon here, is that, is that if you have true identity in Jesus, I know implanted in you is the Holy Spirit, and you have this constant hunger and thirst for righteousness and to, and to see more of God and to feel more of God and experience more of God, no matter what sin you are committing right now, no matter what life you are living right now, I know deep down inside of you, you have this desire to pursue Jesus with all that you have. My question to you is, is what is it going to take for you to eradicate that sin in your life and grow in him? Who needs to put something down tonight? Who needs to put something to death in their life right now? Students, some of us, we keep on choosing sin over the Savior in our life and I, my question to you is, is what's going to be more valuable to you in a million years from now if you pick up that sin or if you pick up the Savior? The better solution is Jesus. And I, I just beg you, if, if you still don't know everything about Jesus and everything about the Bible, good. None of us know everything about Jesus and everything about the Bible. But what you do need to know is that I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you lay your life down, if you get, put Jesus on as your identity, I promise you, you will never regret it. Give him three months. Give him three months of your life just literally trying to be the person that you know that he wants you to be. Walk with him and talk with him, and you'll never look back. Second evaluation is this, is that we have to be a new creation, a new creature. I think Paul is trying to say is, what do you bring life to life? You know, I'm a yard guy. Yes, I'm a dad, and I'm a yard guy. Um, 
But if you were to go drive by Mockingbird Lane right now, you would see beautiful grass, beautiful grass, beautiful grass, beautiful grass, Brent's dead yard, all right? And, it, and I hold my head down in shame and guilt uh, because I let my grass die. Like, it's sad. It is a pride. Maybe, maybe I have a little identity in my own grass, all right? Sad to say, all right? Sad to say. But I am a grass guy, and I did let it die for the second summer in the row. And let me tell you why and what happened. Is that I'm a cheapskate, okay? And when I went to go buy grass seed, uh, I saw that the big grass seed was like, you know, $80. And I bought the 80 pounds for like $12 bag, all right? And if I just would have looked at the bag, the ingredients probably would have said 2% seed, 85% weeds, all right? When I planted this grass seed, no lie, I'm not even exaggerating, 60 plus percent of my, my lawn turned into weeds. And me and my three older boys, we spent three and a half hours picking weeds one Saturday. And we didn't even knock out half of it. Like my yard, if you look at it, it's got a little bitty grass, right? And it's got a lot of weeds, and it's got a lot of dead spots, all right? It is, it's embarrassing. Like, 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 I'm, like, I was known as, like, the best-looking lawn in the neighborhood, dude. And now it's like I'm an embarrassment to myself and my family. Like, I don't even let my kids play in the front yard because I don't want them to get the shame from it as well, right? Also, they might, like, get stickers for all I know. Like, what else is growing in my front yard? But you know what this has taught me? Maybe God just did this for a sermon illustration. Thanks, Jesus, right? What that taught me is that your life will produce whatever you plant. And you can choose to plant in your life no Jesus at all. And what will your life look like? Your life will resemble nothing of Jesus. You will look nothing like Jesus. You won't act like Jesus. Your identity won't be in Jesus. You won't love like Jesus, but you also won't receive the benefits of Jesus. You won't have peace that passes all understanding. You won't have joyfulness. You won't, you won't have anything that Jesus can give you if you don't plant Jesus in any parts of your life. But maybe some of you in here, maybe you're like me, and you might plant some cheap seed in your life. And what I mean by cheap seed for your life is that you're going to plant some Jesus, but you're still going to have 80% of everything else in your life. Yes, I'm going to go to church on Sundays. I'm going to go to crossover on Tuesdays. And yeah, I might pray before every meal. That is planting some Jesus in your life. But you know what? I'm going to stick with that girlfriend that I know that I'm not supposed to be with anymore. I'm going to stick with that boyfriend that I know that's not serving you with everything that he has. He's not being the example of Christ that I need in my life. I'm going to stick with him in my life. You know, I'm going to stick with those friends that I'm comfortable with, even though that I know that I need friends that push me closer to him and not farther away from him. I'm going to plant some cheap seed. And you know why I bought that cheap seed? Because it was going to cost way too much for the good seed. How many of us, we plant the cheap side of 
of salvation in our life because we know how much it would cost us in order to plant all of Jesus in our life. We know that it's going to uproot some of our friendships. We know that we're going to lose some of our friendships if we plant all of Jesus in our life. We know that it's going to take some of our time and some of our extracurricular activities if we pursue Jesus with everything that we have. We know it's going to make us break up with our boyfriend and girlfriend and we could be lonely because of Jesus in our life. We don't plant all of Jesus in our life because it might be too costly. And listen, students, if you plant the cheap seed in your life, your life is going to look like my yard. You're going to have a little bitty grass. You're going to have a lot of weeds. And you're going to have a lot of dead spots in your life. And that is why your life right now feels so lifeless. That is why the excitement in your Your life is depleted. That is why you can't just get your head above water. You're always working from behind the curve. That's why you're stuck in the rut. That is why so many things just feel dull to you is because you haven't planted Jesus in every bit of your life. Can I just give you some advice for tonight as we close up here? Here in about three weeks, I'm going to get three or four of these guys in here, and we are going to go on a de-weeding craze in my yard. We're going to pull all of that junk up. I'm going to mow that yard as short as I can mow it. I'm going to rake all the dead stuff up. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to blow my yard out. I'm going to scratch it up real good. And then I'm going to throw the best seed that I can put my hands on, and I'm going to water it. I'm going to nurture it. And if a weed pops up, I'm going to go pull it. And I'm going to make my house look like Augusta National Golf Course, all right? It's going to happen, I promise you. You come by my house in November, you're going to want to play golf on it, all right? How about tonight, students? It's the beginning of the semester. You've always wanted to be the person that God wanted you to be. You have that inner desire to to get that righteousness in order. You want to be the person that God has planned for you to be. I'm telling you, let tonight be that night. De-weed the things in your life and start uprooting them. Start closing the doors to the things that you don't need in your life. Start killing off the things of, of, of sin that are controlling you because you have God in your life and sin doesn't enslave you anymore. You have power over it tonight. Be the person that you know that Christ wants you to be. Please, I beg you, look in your life tonight and say, you know what? I need to tonight. I need to take this out of my life. I need to do this in my life. And I need some accountability and some encouragement for you to hold me accountable to this in my life. And start planting that new seed. Don't cheap out anymore. Give it all to Jesus. Find a friend group tonight, for goodness sakes, that can encourage you and push you and be like Jesus and love like Jesus. Maybe go down to Mardell's down the road and find you a daily devotional where you get to learn to be like Jesus and learn how to read his word and learn how to take it and apply it to your life. Get a journal. Start journaling things down about the steps that you're taking. Maybe take some evaluations every month. Am I making the identity in Christ real in my life? my life tonight. If you need to know anything, is that you need to know that you are going to stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus. 
and you are going to look at him in the eyes, and he's going to say, do you have the right identity? And if he can see Jesus in you, then I'm telling you, I just can't wait for that moment. I hope that he has the daddy eyes that have like the little bit of tears and the quivery lips. And like he's just so excited to see me. And he's saying, you know, I saw that you fought the good fight. I saw that you ran the race. I heard the prayers. I heard the cries. I heard the testimonies. You did so good, my son. Well done, my good and faithful students. Who here is longing to hear those words come out of Jesus' mouth? Tonight, let's make it a start. Let's do it for reals. Let's listen to the Bible.